Welcome to the You Can Tell the Children podcast, a place where sharing God's word with the next generation in your circle of influence can be simple, easy, and fun. We know that intentionally teaching children about God and the relevancy of His word will be a game changer in their homes, schools, and communities. This podcast is a ministry of Bible to School, the experts in engaging children with the Word of God. Together, we will make sure you can tell the children about the love of Jesus. Ready, set, let's go. Welcome back to the You Can Tell the Children podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Steidler, and this is episode 62. See if you can guess who our guest is today and which children's ministry she's involved in. She is CEO Emerita of a children's program that has 66,000 church partners, is active in 132 countries, and has 5 million people in attendance each week. Wow. Well, if you've guessed Valerie Bell of Awana, you're right. She has been involved with this program since 2012, and she has a lot to share with us today about Awana and her newest book called Resilient. This book will reshape the way we approach discipleship training of our kids in a lasting and significant way. You'll be so excited to hear all the things Valerie has to say. So if you want to do your part in helping Bible to School have an amazing reach just like Awana, share this episode. Like and follow us on social media and share our posts. Go to BibleToSchool.com. That's Bible, the number two, school.com. And click on the Contact Us tab to get information about starting a Bible to School program in your community. And while you're on our website, you'll also want to click on our Resources tab to find our podcast and check out today's show notes where you can access all of the information we chat about in this episode. So let's jump on over to Corey's conversation with Valerie now. Hi, Valerie. Hi, Corey. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, and I'm really excited to be with you and to talk to your people today. Fabulous. Oh, we, it is good to be with you today because you and I have such a passion for sharing the gospel, sharing Jesus with children. I mean, you have yes. a big smile on your face. They can't see that, but you have a big smile on your face just at the thought of sharing Jesus with children. But before we get into that, would you please tell our listeners a little about yourself, about your family? Sure. We are a ministry family. We've been in ministry for 50 years between Steve and I, and uh, he was the executive vice president of the Willow Creek Association that had the big leadership summits. He was like the yes. architect of that. I've region. been to those. Those are yeah, fabulous. Yes. Yes. So that was what he did. And then we have two grown sons. Our oldest son is a psychotherapist and we say that's what we drove him to. <laughs> But he has a large practice here in the Chicago area and uh, works a lot with kids and school systems, that type of thing. And then our younger son is a filmmaker out in Hollywood. And so between those two guys, those two wonderful guys, we have six grandchildren. And yeah, they are the blessings of our lives. Oh, I'm told that's a great, I don't have grandchildren yet, but I am told that they're just wonderful. You have a lot to look forward to, lady. <laughs> great, great. <laughs> Well, in your family, tell us maybe just something about any traditions that you might had in your household growing up. Maybe we can get some nuggets from you right off the bat. We had some sayings that would uh, pop up every once in a while that we all knew what they meant. So uh, one of those sayings was God is in the messes. Mm. And by that, we didn't mean that God created the mess, but in this life, you will have trouble. 
And when your trouble is big enough and bad enough and deep enough that you can't fix it yourself, that's when God is most creatively active on our part. And so we say that to each other. The boys say it to us when we think we've hit a wall or something. You know, they'll say, Mom, <laughs> God is in the messes. And we all have these God stories that have stuck with us through the years. And now it's so cute because our grandchildren love to hear those God stories about when their fathers were in trouble and did bad <laughs> things as boys and God, God came to their rescue, you know, those kinds of things. So that was one of the things that we uh, used quite a bit. And it was amazing to us to see how consistently God did help us when we couldn't help ourselves and how creative he was. It's just mm. amazing. And so we did that. We also had what we called the God hunt. What's are these the God the hunt? Of, are these the kind of things that you're interested in? Yeah. Yeah. So the God hunt was to recognize that God is involved in our daily lives. He is actively and and creatively involved. And so the God hunt had certain parameters around it. Any answered prayer, you want to notice that. You don't want to just pray about something. And then when it's answered, you forget that God answered that prayer. Any help to do his work in the world, you know, like you are teaching Sunday school and, um, you get sick and somebody volunteers to take your place and it works out great, you know, but yeah. those kinds of spiritual activities, we'd say, I spy, I spy God. And it was always exciting to share these God hunt stories, these God stories. Oh yeah. We loved having those kinds of conversations and those have become part of our family history too. We will say, remember that time, remember that time. It's one way of introducing spiritual talk so naturally. I know a lot of parents, you know, tell parents that they're the primary soil that the children's faith grows in and that scares them to death. (laughs) Really, how do I do it? How do I do it? You can make it a normal, natural part. And I'll give you one other family thing that we did that your people might uh, enjoy doing. When we had company for dinner, our children were allowed to ask questions of those people. And it was a game we played. The only rule was that the guest had to answer honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Oh, that could be kind of dangerous. It was. (laughs) Sometimes it was, you know, talk about your spiritual life. You got somebody who can't talk about their spiritual life. Like if you were going to have a day with anybody in the world and they were like shrunk down and sat on your shoulder, who would you like to spend the day with? Or what book has been the most influential book that you've read? Okay. We would write the questions out for the kids, Mm -hmm. you know, but they got so that they had their favorites and they would uh, use those in, and it was so beautiful because it brought the children into the conversation. Yes. You know how the children are often marginalized. Yeah. I don't like the children's table. You want to engage them. No, I agree. You want them right there where you are. So those are some of the things we did as, uh, and we're doing it with our grandkids now too. So that's fun. Oh, that's awesome, Valerie. I love that. I mean, as I was preparing for this interview, I just was amazed. Our listeners don't know this. You've been involved with several different ministries and you've authored nine books. So you have a lot to say on this in these subjects, (laughs) which is cool. But today I just, I wanted to focus on your time with Awana, which is kind of your most recent and your most recently released book called Resilient, which I love that title, first of all. 
But why don't you tell us, how did you come to know Jesus? So all this is flowing out of out of your spiritual life. Tell us how you came to know this Jesus. This is a kid's story. This is a kid's story. It is. My, my mom and dad were radically saved as young adults. They both came from highly dysfunctional homes and Jesus changed everything for them. And so he had these two people from highly dysfunctional homes trying to raise a functional family, you know, which is <laughs> kind of interesting sometimes. But my mother started, uh, got involved with backyard Bible clubs. They're still going today. Yes, that's good news clubs. Yes, yeah, good news clubs. And uh, I was three. Of course, these were geared for grade school kids. But I went because I was her daughter, and I went forward to accept Jesus. Well, they were giving out goldfish to the kids who'd come forward. I'm not sure that's a really correct teaching. <laughs> and my mother was very suspect about why I went forward. So I'm small enough. We're driving home. I have my arm. She's driving. I have my arm around her neck. I remember this vividly. I'm standing up in the front seat. No, Because you no used to be able to do that, right? Yes, <laughs> exactly. we used to be able to do that. I have my arm around her and she's kind of mad at me. I thought she said, Valerie, do you know what you did today? She's suspect, you know? And I said, yes, silly mother. <laughs> I asked Jesus into my heart and now I'm not a sinner anymore. Well, my theology was way off, but I did know I was a sinner. I did know I needed Jesus, even though I was only three years old. And my theory on this is those who would end up being the baddest have to get saved the earliest. <laughs> and so you know, I was a Jesus baby, practically a Jesus girl, Jesus high school girl all my life. Jesus has been uh, my closest, my closest companion and confident counselor guide. Yeah. Wow. And then I was 12 and the guidance counselor came around and said, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I said, I want to be a lawyer for children. I don't know why I got that idea, but she said, there is no such thing. But apparently she hadn't heard of Awana because when I really grew up, I became involved with Awana, became an advocate for children. So all that kind of was building in my life all these years. Some of those books that you mentioned, Nobody's Children, was about reaching out and loving other people's kids. So there's been this kind of theme that wove through my life. But when Awana came, that all became major to me. I came on the board. Well, can you first tell us, can I hold you for a second? Can you tell us what is Awana? I know it's... Um, yeah. Short for uh, approved workmen are not ashamed. Approved workmen are not ashamed. It's a discipleship club for kids that is mostly held in churches. So we have 66,000 church partners and we're in 132 countries with 5 million children who attend every week. Wow. And it's Bible focused. It's Bible memory focused. We don't necessarily believe that you become a disciple by memorizing Bible. That's not one plus one equals two, right. but it often is a tool that God uses to start a lifelong discipleship journey of resilience in a child's life. But approved workmen are not ashamed, which is a Wawana is from, from Timothy, right? Second Timothy, right? Yeah. And so that's pulled right out of scripture. It's 73 years old. Yes. Um, my boys went through it and absolutely loved it. And you get, you get like vests and you get patches and you get, it's kind of very, you know, Boy Scout, Girl Scout, like, but it it's all about like scripture that. and fun games, fun games. It was a lot like that. Now with the re whole resilient messaging, we're looking at what builds discipleship. And uh, maybe some of the things we're doing, we're going to shift a little bit through the years to make sure that we have laid the ground for lifelong discipleship. Wonderful. 
Let's pause right now and take a question from one of our Bible to School kids. Does God really know how many hairs are on our heads? Isn't it simply amazing to think that such a constantly changing detail, like the number of hairs on our head, wouldn't escape God's notice? In Luke chapter 12, verses 6 to 8, we read that God loves us, and He knows us so well that every detail about us is known to Him. That makes sense, because He created us. And what a comfort it is to know we are fully known by our Creator. Now, what brought you to Awana? How did that happen? Yes, so I had been mothers of preschoolers. I had been on that board. I had been the the board mops of mothers of preschoolers for seven years. And my term was up. And when my term was up, Awana came and asked if I would come on the board. It was really quite uh, (laughs) a thing for me, though, because mops, all young moms, you know. And then I went to Awana and the board was older gentlemen who'd come to Christ as young men and they had done Awana all their lives. They loved Awana. But I came back and I told my husband, I don't think this is a fit. I don't think that this is going to work out right. And he said to me, have you prayed about it? And so I did. And I went on the board having no idea what God had in store for me. I'd been on the board uh, six years went through a lot of things, I details I won't go into now. I ended up being brought up out of the board to be the CEO of Awana. I was 66 years old. I should have been playing pickleball in a 55 <laughs> somewhere. Instead, all of a sudden, I'm managing this huge ministry. If you've ever heard a woman pray, if I wasn't praying before, I was praying after mm. because I knew I just so needed the Lord. But In that whole process, I got a front row seat to what was happening in children's ministry. And I began, I'd go to conferences. They wouldn't even talk about kids. You know, Mm. it was all leadership and spiritual formation. I felt like missionally, we'd kind of gotten lost direction in terms of our direction. And I also had this sense that we were raising the church of 2050 and that things were going to be happening. The world was darkening. Mm -hmm. needed to give them a special kind of discipleship that would ground them and and give them strength so that they would be able to withstand whatever had to happen to them and lead the church and influence the culture. So, yeah, so that became strong, a strong message. And, you know, we face so many challenges, especially during COVID, 46% of our churches didn't have club, you know, that just about killed us financially. Mm. And I would come to God and I would pray about it. All he'd say to me was, raise up the greatest generation of disciples. I knew I liked you for a reason. I love that. Raise up the greatest generation of disciples. And as I studied resilience, Corey, I realized resilience is another word for discipleship. Mm. That if you study the science of resilience, all the components that they say makes resilience, all that science, it all supports the kind of discipleship we do with children where they're grounded in the church, they're grounded in community, they learn optimism, all the things that they get from scripture. Well, we really learned that community, I want to stop at community for a second, 
because yes. now we're getting into your book, Resilience. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and I'm glad we're getting into your book because you have ways that people are, kids are resilient and what discipleship looks like. And community is big. And what oh. we found at Bible to School with the kids coming together, a lot of times in the public school, they didn't even know other kids were Christians. And when they came together, uh, coming out during lunch and recess, it really helped them in school to know that there are other kids that are Christians. And then they brought their friends and they became Christians. It definitely strengthened them. Unity. The, yes. There's a special part of the community that we've done studies on now, and we've done them with Barno, and we recognize that this is the key to lifelong discipleship starting in childhood. And it's the presence of the loving, caring adult. It's more important than any other aspect if you want to have stick, stick with it faith happening in kids. So I'll tell you this story. When I, right after I came, we did an offsite and my whole leadership team's there, about 13 people. And we don't know each other that well. And somebody said, let's talk about our childhoods. We were in around that table and the stories were awful. Mm -hmm. Abuse, neglect, divorce. Nobody in that whole room had anything but a detached, horrible childhood, except there was one commonality to all of their stories. And they all said, but for the church. Mm -hmm but for the church. And we began to see how important this community of belief is to children who are facing difficulties in their lives. And what emerged out of this church broad in general was this presence of the loving, caring adult. So our Barna studies indicated that when there was the presence of a loving, caring adult in a child's life, in every measuring uh, stick of discipleship, those kids were 30 to 40% out ahead of the kids who didn't have that. Wow, that's a lot. It's a lot. It's huge. We say, yes, parents are the soil in which kids' faith grows. They're primary. But when that's not happening, you know what? If you have the loving presence of a caring adult in your life, you can get through just about anything. But for the church, right? Yes. But for the community of faith, right? Yeah. Right. So uh, that has given us a lot of steam to begin to really help the church understand that it's not programming, it's not curriculum. And I say that as somebody who sells curriculum. <laughs> <laughs> and those things help, but they're not the primary factor. So, um, yeah. So your book called Resilient, but there's a subtitle to this. It says Child Discipleship and the Fearless Future of the Church. Tell me about that title. Okay, so this book was written before COVID. Everybody thinks it was in response to COVID. But what we did was we looked at 2050, and we said, we are becoming the minority. Faith is becoming a subject of hatred sometimes. There's a great a gap happening in the culture and a huge tsunami of secularization that's coming in. And 50 to 60% of our kids are leaving the church. Mm -hmm. Anything that was losing like that, if, you, if, if we manufactured toys or we produced lemons, if we were having that kind of dropout, we would be doing frantic studies about why. Oh yeah, market research for sure. And so that's what we did. We started to study, how is this happening? Why is it happening? What's going on there? And we began to realize that, you know, our wonderful kid men programs many times present Christianity as childish, entertaining. Really? And when the kids get older, they think, no, I've outgrown that. Ah. I've got a great story. I've got a kind of insert here. Because oh, I was going to ask for God stories. I figured you had some. 
So I have six grandchildren. Two were very ill when they were born. This one, I'm going to tell you about failure to thrive. They didn't know what was wrong with him. They finally put him in a dark room, I suspect, to let him die. So we took him home. We said, nah, we're taking him home. And that child was prayed for and sung over. And and he's a very healthy 10-year-old boy today. But he had a traumatic beginning. And he said to me uh, when he was about eight, he said, lovey, that's my grandma name. Have you ever heard God speak to you? And I said, well, I think God speaks to me. He said, no, I mean, heard his voice. And I thought, oh boy, this Good is question. <laughs> something, isn't it? This is going <laughs> to test my theology big time. And so I said, no, Reese, have you? He said, yes. And I said, what happened? He said, when everybody was asleep the other night, I couldn't sleep. And I felt a hand on my shoulder. And I said, were you afraid? He said, no, I was so happy. And I said, well, what did God say to you? He said, God said, Reese, I want you to love Jesus for the rest of your life. I'm not here to argue about whether that was God's voice or not. But Mm. I think that was a message strategically placed at the grandson of the woman who was CEO, because that message wasn't just for Reese. That message was for all of our children in this great generation. I agree want them to love Jesus. God wants you to love Jesus for the rest of your life. Not just know the Bible verses, Mm -hmm. (laughs) not just know about him, not to just be entertained by him, but to know and love him for the rest of their lives. If we do that, we will raise up a great generation of disciples. Amen. I just, I (laughs) actually second that motion. At Bible School, we obviously, we uh, have God's stories as well. But one of the things we see is that just the other day, you know, about, hey, do you know who God is? And they said, I've never, I never heard of God before. And many of our kids don't. And I know you have that at Awana as well. What they are in awe about is that God made them. That's the first thing we teach them, that God made them and God made you. And like, wow, somebody specifically made me unique the way I am. And that's such a great feeling to be loved that way. And like you said, and when you find out who God is and having him love you for the rest of your life, a loving adult can share that, can't they? Yes. A loving adult is uh, a picture of what God is like for me. And any, any adult in their life, aunts, uncles. Absolutely. That's exciting. I'm excited. Now we're going around and we're teaching these resilient discipleship courses. And our dream is that we will certify churches who are actually doing discipleship. So when you come to an area or you live in an area and you really are serious about building resilience, spiritual resilience into your children, you will find a church that has those, the resilient approach to discipleship and know that you're doing the best you can for your children. Oh, Valerie. That's in process now. So Wow. And that's with Awana? It's with Awana, but it's going to be beyond Awana. Like we just had a child discipleship forum where 600 people came last week in 2,500 online. It was all different denominations. It wasn't just Awana. So that's pretty exciting. I think that there could be a movement of God happening here. There is a movement of God happening here just by hearing all that. And just by everybody listening in, people are searching. I'm finding that. I know you are too. People are searching so they can have answers. They want truth and children need truth. They look at the future. They're afraid. They're Mm -hmm. afraid. We just came through a terrible time. What Mm -hmm. else could be happening down there? Of course, we're afraid. 
you know, scripture has so many verses about not being afraid. I always tell my family, God writes the last chapter. No one else. God <laughs> writes the last chapter. He does. Talking about chapters and your, your book, going back to your book, how can our listeners get your book? Because I think they all need to read it. It is absolutely the topic of the day of how to, yeah. to get kids yeah. resilient. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. It's Resilient Child Discipleship and the Fearless Future of the Church. You can get it through Amazon or you can get it through awana.org. If you mail it into me and you want it autographed, I'd be happy to do that because I have heard autographed books go better at garage sales. So <laughs> <laughs> I if would you're one of those who collects autographed books, mail it to me or, or just ask Awana to send it to me and I'll do that for you. <laughs> Awesome. That's great. Now, last question, I'm going to ask you to pray, but I want to say, do you have a life verse or a favorite scripture passage you could share with us? Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So we cast our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, for what is unseen is eternal and what is seen is temporary. That's a verse for every aging woman, Corey. Amen. <laughs> we, we're yes, we're young, a- Valerie. We are so young. We're, we work <laughs> with children. <laughs> there you go. Um, well, it's been so lovely to talk to you, Valerie. And I know our listeners have really enjoyed this as well. Would you mind praying over us to end? I'd be happy to. Father, I just um, lift up the Corey and, and all the different people involved in this ministry and this podcast. You can tell the children. I love what they're doing. I love their vision for reaching into secular school setting and bringing children to Christ who have never even known a thing about it. Like I said, who is God? Who is God? And we can hardly imagine that there could be children being raised in this country today that are that far out of knowledge of who you are. And so, Father, I pray that you will bless them. Bring people along who can help finance the ministry. Bring people along who have a passion, who carry fire, who carry fire for the gospel and who carry fire for children. I pray that you will do that because I know that it pleases you as well. And we pray this all in your amazing name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Valerie. Thank you. Did you know about the tsunami of secularism hitting our children today? That 50 to 70% of kids are leaving the church by the time they become young adults. I think we all see and feel how Christians are becoming the minority, as well as the subject of hatred. I'm so glad Valerie didn't just leave us with these staggering statistics. I love how she shares her heart on how we can raise up this next generation to love Jesus for the rest of their lives. And then, She wrote a book for us all about it. So what about you? Do you want to raise kids that know Jesus? If we work together to raise these children, to grasp onto the fact that God wants them to love Jesus for the rest of their lives, not just know Bible verses, not just be entertained by Him, but to know and love Him, we can and will raise up a great generation of disciples. So before you head out, be sure to go to our website, bible2school.com, to grab the show notes and resources from today's episode. We'd also love it if you would join our conversation. Subscribe to our podcast and blog and share us with a friend. Lastly, visit us here next week as we hear Corey Pennypacker 
talk through the scripture that defines the heart of Bible to School and this very podcast. And as always, remember, you can tell the children about the great love of Jesus.